This episode of the Business Samurai Podcast is brought to you by Lamar Marie Popcorn. You can get now one bag and get a second bag for half off with the code BARKER at checkout. So if you like your snacks a little sweet, a little salty, a little mixture of both, go check out LamarMarie.com and all of the flavors that they have for your next snacking sensation. That is LamarMarie.com with code BARKER at checkout for buy one, get one, half off. If you know your business needs to be more secure, but don't know how it drives value, and you hate all of the technical mumbo jumbo, then you are in the right place. Welcome to the C Word for Business podcast, where cash is king and the C stands for cyber. The only cybersecurity related podcast aimed at you, the business leader, to cut past the jargon and help you with cyber risk management in terms you will understand. Business. You will learn the best tech-related metrics to track, how communication is the lifesaver when it comes to cyber, and how good policy will fix the weak link when it comes to security. People. Listen in on conversations with world-class business leaders and how they manage risk. We will deconstruct their processes on how they choose to protect themselves, their team, and customers. You are stepping into a world of proactive business with your hosts, AJ Orr and John Barker. What's up, AJ? Here we are, another What's episode. On, another episode of the SeaWare Podcast. I think we got a good one today. So we've got a great interview today. We've got Joel Charlotte. Joel serves as the Director of Operations for CyberVice Foundation, a nonprofit based in the D.C. region focusing on programs for cybersecurity and emerging technologies like AR, MR, and VR, which we're going to be discussing today. He also serves the founder and chief executive officer for two startups, Ivea Consulting and Metaverse Technologies, MVTI. Ivea Consulting, Joel focuses on providing cybersecurity services to companies with AR and VR technologies. MVTI, Joel is developing AI-based virtual assistants to help blind and low vision people cross the street. He is a cybersecurity advisor to the XR Safety Initiative, XRSI, and is the principal investigator on a grant to develop natural authentication methods for first responders using AR headsets. He earned a Master of Science from the Naval Postgraduate School, where he researched using immersive virtual environments to influence people's behaviors. We may be in trouble today, AJ. Uh, Joel is retired from the United States Marine Corps after 20 years of service. Joel, man, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. And all that's all, by the way, before noon. So uh, that's just half the day. Uh, and for anybody listening, that was like half of like what was sent to me. <laughs> I have and never been accused of not. Yeah, I've never been accused of um, not having enough words. Well, and, and that's interesting. Uh, so, you know, one of the things, Joel, I know this is the first time that you and I have met and that you've got a relationship with with John. And so um, I saw that you were a, a Marine veteran. And so I, I was super excited about that, me being an Army veteran. Um, I was curious, how much of your military service and background do you think actually helped you in becoming and doing all the great list of things that, that John just ran off? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I think it um, it had a lot to do with it, right? I mean, I think as an Army veteran, you probably know, like, uh, for us, it's, it's we just do it, right? I mean, it's there's a job to be done. Um, we just do it. So started out as a helicopter pilot, but, you know, when I'm not flying, I have other duties, right? And so we learn to take on kind of more than one thing at a time. Um, and you just you look at something, it has to be done. You kind of look around and you know, all right, well, I guess it's me, right? And, and so you just kind of do it. So I think it played a huge um, role uh, in kind of shaping that and just, you know, I, I don't like sitting around doing nothing. 
I get that. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I tell people all the time, you know, if it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for the army, I wouldn't be a business owner. I wouldn't be the person that I am today um, because they gave me that core value foundation uh, and really turned me into a person that can, can accomplish things at a high level. So it's always, it's always good to hear from somebody else to make sure that I'm just not the only one who, who received it that way as well. Not the only crazy one. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Glutton for punishment. <laughs> That's right. So what 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 kind of drove you? I mean, even going back into you know kind of that VR stuff through post grad, what was what was the driving thing to get you into into that? It, into the the VR into the uh, VR. into AR and VR. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, the thesis kind of was was what I say started it, but really even prior to that, I, I had the opportunity to go work for a. Um, think tank that the chief of naval operations ran. And so you had to apply, was hand selected, um, had the opportunity to go out to, to Rhode Island for six months. Um, unfortunately, it was over the winter. Uh, and having grown up in Arizona and stationed on the West Coast, Rhode Island in the winter, not the place you want to be. Um, but it was cool. It was it, it was an opportunity to to just, you know, go and experience new things, talk to new people. It was one of those organizations that you know, you show up and the admiral that's in charge says, hey, if you want to talk to anybody in the world, let us know and we'll we'll make that connection. And you're like, yeah, 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 right, right. And then the next thing you know, somebody's like, hey, we're talking about this topic. Can we get in touch with Bill Gates? Pick up the phone and the next thing you know, oh. you know, you're on the phone with Bill Gates, right? And so, um, so it was kind of cool to have that access, but then really the ability to just kind of think freely. And so um, the topic we were discussing was, or we're trying to research and, and figure out how the naval forces were going to fight in cyberspace in 2030, right? And so this was 2005 or six time frame, and wow. one you got to figure out what 2030 even looks like. Um, the term cyberspace wasn't really defined, uh, particularly in military circles at the time, and so we spent a lot of time kind of figuring that out. But in the course of it, you just you start kind of brainstorming and you throw out these ideas and. And um, you work in groups to come up with these concept papers. And one of the concept papers at the time was uh, developing these sort of autonomous bots that could roam Second Life, right? So if you're familiar with Second Life, uh, it's kind of funny. They've been sort of hiding in the shadows, if you will. Um, you know, all this sort of metaverse, they're kind of like the kid in the back going, yeah, like I've kind of been here for a while. Um, but anyway, they were about the only platform at the time. And so, you know, we were developing these concepts and one of them was how do I develop a bot in, in for a place like second life that could just roam and be autonomous and collect, you know, Intel essentially. Um, and so that concept never really went anywhere within the, within the strategic studies group. So I was like, Hey, can I take that back to Naval postgraduate school and use that as, and as the basis of my thesis? So, so that was what my thesis work was, but it really started about six months earlier at that think tank. Um, and then my focus ever since has kind of been on, look, if, if we can do this to other people, other people could do it to us. Right. And so, um, you know, the, the offensive piece, the using it for, um, essentially information operations, that's an offensive thing, right? Like that's a military specific kind of function. Uh, so I always kind of looked at it and said, okay, well, what's the commercial side or what's the non-military side to this? And that's the protection of users um, in AR and VR. And so that's kind of where my focus is. Yeah, no, sounds good. It, it, well, that leads into, I guess, what we've seen the evolution of, I've always thought of AR and VR. I've seen it through the years through like video games, like these failed attempts at video, you know, the video game market. 
But here recently, you've seen, you know, with Facebook changing their name to Meta, this this big this big push for that. Are are you concerned with all the work that you've seen that there's going to be a big gigantic like cash grab that these companies are going to start seeing I can make money, but forget about the privacy and forget about the cybersecurity risks that's in there in the rush to make a buck. Oh, Pat, I, I, I have no doubt that that's going to be the case. Right. And, and, and I mean, look, I'm, I'm just as capitalist as everybody else. Right. And I understand the, you know, you, you, you want to, you get a product out, et cetera. I, I think the bigger thing here is that sometimes they may not know better. Um, right. Like that it's a privacy issue or it's a security issue. You know, there are plenty of companies that I talk to that are developing XR products and they're just, you know, the first time you mention security, they go, oh, well, I have an ATO or I'm, you know, I'm following these sort of practices. And I'm like, look, that's cool. Right. Like the fact that you're working on it, I, I applaud you for that. And, and great that you're doing the physical hardware piece, because that's typically what the ATO is. Right. Like, how do I get a piece of equipment onto a military network? Right. But usually I'll then turn the conversation to, okay, well, you're, you know, you're using a headset to do X, Y, or Z, you're collecting a lot of data, right? And I was standing next to a gentleman uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, having this conversation in a group. And he was like, well, we're just going to collect everything because it might be useful. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, whoa, right? Like, I'm like, that's not the right way to do this, right? Like, because, you know, a lot of, again, a lot of what I focus on and, and I think, you know, the, the interesting part about my, my perspective is I always find the way to, to take advantage of something, right? And so if I look at that and I go, well, if I have your heart rate or I have your iris or I have, you know, any number of things, those are very useful um, bits of information, right? So for example, I, I finished, I gave a talk at ITSIC this a couple months ago and, and we were talking about, look, you know, the military in particular is starting to move down this road of, of say eye tracking, right? Well, as a former helicopter pilot, like that's awesome, right? Because in training, I can now go, hey, look, he's he or she, they're looking there, they've got their scan going, they're looking in all the right places, et cetera. And that's great, that's an awesome use, but what are you doing with the data, right? Like, are you storing it? Are you just using it to make, you know, and like do something at that moment? And if you're storing it, how are you storing it and for how long? And, you know, so a lot of it just comes down to, I think, education about that. Um, but I, I have no doubt that, that you know, we're going to fight a little bit of an uphill battle at, uh, at first, right, in order to get some of these companies to understand that, no, you, you don't collect everything just because you can, <laughs> right? Like, like have a plan, have a, have a plan for the data and how you're going to store it and what you're going to do with it. Uh, and Joel, I think you touched on something there that is something that I, I think John and I have talked about before is that with all these new programs and, and you know robotics and things of that nature that are being developed, that they're not baking security into it from the very beginning. Se- security, a lot of times, is an afterthought. And so, yeah. you know... <sighs> I guess my thing is, how do we how do we get that to change that in the market space? You know, so that we, you know, it, it doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, yes, it's going to slow your 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 launch and, and approach to market, but at the same time, I mean, is it is it not worth it? I mean, versus the the vulnerabilities that you'll have in the remediation that you deal with on the back end. I mean, that's that's just my perspective on it. I would much rather do you know take a little bit of time to 
do prevention or at least put myself, you know, I, I look at things from a risk assessment t- type of standpoint. And so if, I, if I'm if i assuming the risk, then great. At least I know the risk exists. Right. I don't even think they're taking the time to evaluate to determine what the risks are as they're moving so quickly to try to get to market. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, right? Because, you know, people in this security industry are kind of constantly amazed that that's not already happening, right? Like it's, it's almost one of those very easy things that yet to your point, it may slow you down a little bit, but it's not going to slow you down that much. I mean, come on, right? Like it's, 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 you're just, you're injecting good practices, right? Like you're ensuring the code is, is done properly, et cetera. That's not going to, that's not going to delay your launch by six months, right? Like, I mean, we're, we're talking maybe a matter of weeks, but, um, but that's, and, and, you know, as you started the question, I was thinking, man, my answer is going to be like, well, if I could figure that out, I'm not, I wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> um, because I, I think it really is that like the rest of us in the industry kind of go, okay, guys, it's not that hard to do this. Just take the time to do it up front, right? Like if it's a couple week delay, are you that like, are you really that hurt me? You know, like you got to get your product out there because you're going to beat your competitor by a week or two weeks, right? Like, I mean, it, you got to kind of take that into account, obviously, but I don't think it's that. I don't, I just don't think the delays are that big, right? So, uh, and, you know, I mean, you would think DevSecOps kind of helps with that, right? Like, I mean, ensuring that you have the security folks on the team up front, um, you know, and that's one of the things we look to do with Ivea Consulting is, you know, hey, let, let me help you on the front end, right? And and let's bring us in and help you understand, again, for it, the interesting thing with AR and VR is it's way more than security, it's privacy, right, um, yeah. on top of it. But either way, it's get, get, the, get the engineers, the security and privacy engineers in up front. And it's, I mean, I don't know if anybody's done the study, but how much more expensive is it to fix your code on the back end than it is to just do it the first time? And I would right? say that's and anything. Sure everything is like that. that. That's everything. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the cost is always higher on the back end versus doing it and, in the middle of it. And we haven't and we haven't figured that out yet. Right? So, I, yeah. I got a it's kind of a base question. It actually just hit me. I never even thought about it before. With as as these things, as these sensors are getting more involved, they're more you know they they're grabbing much more data. What are we looking at in t- in terms of the volume of data that can be captured? You know how much how much physical space does it take to actually capture and keep all that stuff compared to what we think of? Like you always hear the thing of YouTube is getting uploaded x amount of you know hours of data yeah. there, and then you got to have the storage for that because of all the data points that the VR tracks and headsets and haptic gloves and whatever else that I don't even know about the judo. What does that involve? What does that look like? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm probably going to misquote this cause I don't have it in front of me, but um, there's a professor out in, in Stanford, Jeremy Balenson, who published a study within the last year, I want to say. And they, the, the point of the study was they could actually accurately identify a user um, after just like five or 10 minutes in, in VR, right? Like just based on whatever um, they were collect, uh, collecting and tracking. If I remember correctly, they collected over 2 million data points in like a matter of just minutes, wow. right? Or, or maybe an hour, wow. right? So, wow. so wow. and that's just the headset, right? Yeah. And so again, don't, I, I should sure. have come prepared with that one, right? But, but um, don't quote me on it, but I think it was 2 million in an hour. Um, but even then that's yeah. just a headset, right? Like you're getting to the point where you've got gloves, you've got a haptic suit. We were just, I was just talking to somebody the other day and I wish I could remember who it was. 
but brain computer interface, right? Mm -hmm. So now, you know, those little nets that kind of sit on top of your head. Well, somebody is developing it where it essentially sits inside the helmet, right? So if you're wearing your battle helmet, right? Like, or if I'm a pilot, it could be sitting in my, in my helmet and collecting data on me, like constantly. Right. And so, yeah. And, you know, when we were starting the grant, the grant that we have is through NIST and, and we had to, as we were writing the data management plan, you know, for obvious reasons, like, what am I, again, that same thing, what am I going to do with the data? How am I going to store it? I actually reached out to a couple of folks, um, you know, that do like data storage and those kinds of things. And, and, and I said, Hey, if I were to collect a fingerprint or I were to collect an iris scan, what does that like size wise look like, et cetera? And even they were like, yeah, that's a good question. We don't know. <laughs> wow. right? Like we okay. haven't really done a whole lot of that yet. Right. So, so, I mean, I'm sure the answer's out there. Unfortunately, I don't know what it is, but I'm guessing it's going to be large. I just can't imagine. I mean, that's a, an awful lot amount of data points. I mean, even if, I mean, you said 2 million an hour and let's say that, that you were off and that's, it's a quarter of that. That's still 500,000 data points that they're collecting in an hour. I mean, that is just insane. It is. Just picking up that, that much information just from a headset. I mean, that's, that's, that's mind boggling. But then you, you know, I think you touched on it before, which is, you know, you've got all this information. What are you going to do with it afterwards? You know, what, what are the actionable items that you can do with this information? Um, and, and I think as, as businesses are and organizations are building these new technologies, uh, they need to have that in mind as far as what data you to collect, how long you're going to keep it. Because just, well, like you said, just because you can capture it doesn't mean that you should, because right. all you're doing is open yourself up to more liabilities should something go wrong. Right. You know, and, and I, I would say the other interesting part to that is, is there's some data you may not know you're collecting, right? Like you may, like if you're like, say you're using the, the, um, the, the user facing cameras for like maybe an iris scan or something. Well, what else is it picking up? Right. Like, I mean, is it picking All up facial movement? Right. Yeah. Like, and, and so you may be focused on the piece of data that you're looking for, but what else are you collecting that you may not know? Right. Like, I mean, it, it maybe it's a flip of a switch to turn that off, right? Like, Hey, I'm collecting heart rate, but I don't want to collect fingerprints or, you know, some, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of just kind of throwing out some really random examples, but at the end of the day, it's a con- it's a, it is an effort to go in and understand what, what that headset or what that, what that piece of equipment is capable of, of collecting. What is it collecting that you may not even know, right? It's like, so if you're using a, like, let's say you're using a set of haptic gloves and you're using an API to interface with those gloves. Well, the gloves could be capturing more information than you are aware of, right? Um, and so there's, there's, I think, even more to it than just sort of those 2 million data points that you know of um, that could be collecting other information. I've got, yeah, and, and, and shifting a little bit from collecting of the data, but how the, you're talking about peripherals, you've got your, uh, you know, I've seen some stuff with like classes that have HUDs in them, you know, all, that type of, uh, you know, the infrastructure is being built. How secure are the overall, how secure is the overall infrastructure with those things? Because I just got done watching, an, uh, it's a couple years old, an Amazon documentary when they first released the Ring cameras. And I, they were doing the series of videos where remote hackers were able to penetrate the system and be able to sit there and go, hey, I see you in your house and doing it to like little girls. So with the, yeah. it was, I mean, to me, that was, that was scary 
to sit there and say that. Now imagine you've got a full 3D rig on or uh, uh, over your head, or you, you know, I know you've got your grant with law enforcement, and they're doing some sort of heads-up display of somebody being able to manipulate the data that's in there, or actually, if you're in a full surrounding environment, even change that or interrupt that. Are the are, are the in, you know? Do you think companies at this stage, you know, with what you've seen with uh, XRSI? Has there's enough emphasis on those on those things that are safety issues? Yeah, I, I don't think there. I mean, my personal opinion is I don't think there is, right? But I mean, there's. So you touched on a couple of different things. I mean, I think if you're asking from a technical perspective, right, is it possible? Well, I think anything is possible sure. technically, sure. right? Now, the whole point of my thesis was um, a proof of concept thesis that said I can manipulate the environment. So I could go in and actually do a type of a man in the middle attack where I could intercept, you know, because, you know, scenes are sent, you, you know, you're, you're getting refreshes of scenes in a virtual world, right? Like, and so if I intercept that refresh because of my avatar moves, right, that has to be sent to other users, right? And so... If I intercept that, you know, I could I, I could do an essential man in the middle and change the avatar, right? Or I can change the environment, or I can change any a number of things. Now, has any of that been seen in the wild? A little bit, but not not um, you know prevalent, right? It's it's not really kind of out there. Sort of one of those like, yeah, is it possible? Yes, is it probable? I mean, maybe, right? Or has it been seen? But. So that's, but that's what I, that's what my thesis focused on, right? Like I believe wholeheartedly that you 100% can, right? I can get in there and manipulate and then, you know, throw in the social, the psychological, you know, throw in those kinds of, of um, those bits of science in there and being able to just mess with people because you've, you've changed the environment, right? Um, and oh, by the way, you know, if the three of us were meeting in a virtual environment, I could look different to you than to AJ, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because yeah. I could do a separate man in the middle to the, to the both of you, right? Like, so, and, you know, there's some research out there too, that's, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's research. It's not been seen out in the wild per se, but um, up in Connecticut and for the life of me, I can't remember the name. Um, it'll come to me, but they do a lot of research up there on, security issues with AR and VR, right? So they they did one where they call it the joystick attack, where they can actually, you know, if you've put on a VR headset, um, you know that you can't see anything, right? And you have this sort of safety boundary that you draw so that you don't run into the wall or the chair that's there, right? Well, they can, they've shown in the lab that they've been able to go in and manipulate that safety boundary, right? Wow. And so, so, and they can, they can actually move the environment, right? So you think you're in a different place and force you to move back to kind of where you thought you were, but now you're in a completely different yeah. location, right? And so, so it's been shown um, that things like that can happen. Um, again, out in the wild, not that I know of yet. That's crazy to be able to get in there. So my, my son just got a, one of the Oculus headsets for, for Christmas. And so hey, he's um, not alone. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so we, we you know, he, he strapped me into it and got me into it. I mean, it, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's something different, you know, it, 
wasn't necessarily my thing, but the drawing of the boundaries I thought was cool because I was just like, oh, it was like, so I can see whenever I'm reaching too far, it, it bounces up. So to be able right. to shift and manipulate that, wow, that'd be dangerous because once again, right. you draw that boundary and you think that you're in a safe zone. You know, I, I don't yeah. move outside of that boundary. I know where I'm at. And so I've got it in my head mentally. I know where I'm at in the room, my proximity to everything else. And so to be able to shift that, yeah, you could get some people in trouble with that. Oh, yeah. And and think about that on the AR side as well. Right. Like because, you know, I, AR, I think, is going to be more powerful, more prevalent than sort of VR. Right. But if you take, you know, on the MVTI side, building this app for blind and low vision people, right, to, to navigate outdoors and cross the street. Well, what if I get in there and hack that? Right. right. Like what if as I'm navigating and and, you know, there's a database of of, um, you know, hazards, if you will. So a construction zone or an open, you know, man pit or something. And I either erase it or I move it right out of like, like the safe, the, like, just think about the safety considerations there. Right. I mean, and we're putting, we're talking about putting AR into cars and, you know, so, you know, if your Pokemon moves, like, is that that big of a deal? Right. Like, no, but I mean, once you start using it for real life applications, then I think, the implications become a little more um, uh, stark and real, right? How, how close do you think this we are now to being to a to a more mainstream adoption from what you've seen so far? Oof. Well, we're can I answer it by saying we're closer than yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean it's it you know that's a half joke. I mean I've I've been I've been in and around AR and VR since 2007, right? Like that's when I wrote my thesis. I have been very patiently waiting since 2007 for VR and AR to sort of hit it, right? I I, I don't think we're there yet, but you know you had mentioned up front with Meta changing with Facebook changing their name to Meta. You know, the metaverse, you know, that that was defined for me, at least back in 2007. Right. Like there was an entire paper written on it. It was actually really, really well done, very well defined. Um, and I think it's still actually pretty good today. Uh, a gentleman by the name of John Smart wrote it. You can find it in the metaverse roadmap. You can Google that. It's there. Um, but it it it's. It just, you know, we'd slowly and surely been seeing, and if you've been following it, you see the progress, right? Like Google Glass, and you're like, all right, here it comes, and then it goes away, right? Like, and then, you know, and then you get a couple different, um, you know, VR headsets come out, and then it just sort of dies down, right? So I honestly think, though, that that after Facebook changing their name and all the attention that it got, I, I think we're going to see a pretty big uptick this year. Now, whether this is the year you know, that's hard to predict, but I think you're going to see a lot of movement this year uh, in the XR space. I've got a quick follow-up to that real quick, AJ. Just, yeah. you know, part of part of the audience and what we're aiming for with, with this is helping, you know, business leaders understand their risk to, to start putting that a little bit more to the forefront when it comes to cybersecurity. Knowing that we're at the cusp of that, with the stuff that's released in the market now, how much should they be aware if they're looking at business opportunities from, from the risk standpoint? Would, would you say hold off or, you know, it's okay to dabble, but don't like make it a, a new complete product line right now, going back to that cash grab we were talking about earlier. Yeah, man, that's a tough one, right? So, I mean, um, am I supposed to make a disclaimer? Like I'm not an investor. I think um, I, that's a tough one to answer. I mean, look, I'll tell you, I'm going, I'm in, right? Like I'm building, you know, this, this AR app. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, IVIA Consulting has been around a while. 
Um, and I think there's going to be a larger push for me this year, right? Because I think I'm, I'm starting to see more and more, you know, clients and potential clients. You know, if you're on the other side of it and you've got a great idea, I think that the ecosystem is, is, is there enough, right? Like, I mean, you know, Facebook's in, Apple's coming this year or next, right? Like, um, and, and the one thing that the Oculus did was, was just lower that price point enough. Right to get it out, but if you really sort of dig into it, just the number of headset makers and and what's out there, you know these companies are going all in. So the infrastructure is there, the the ecosystem is there. Um, it it could be the time. I mean, I would say it probably is the time, right? Like and and test it, right? Um, I mean, games I think are going to be probably the most prevalent. That that's typically how new technologies kind of roll out, right? Like yeah. that's the best way to sort of get it out there, mass adoption. But you're going to start to see these other little ones, like how can I help blind people? How can I, you know, like how do I do the enterprise thing, right? Like people think Google Glass died, right? They didn't die. They're 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 on Enterprise Edition three or two, right? Like so they they just they pivoted and said, hey, enterprise is where it's at, right? But you know, they just, they bought what North, the company North, right? Like a couple of, maybe a year or so ago. And now there's talk that they're building their own um, AR uh, operating system, right? So if that's the case, Google's back in sort of the consumer game, right? And so again, the ecosystem's there, there's, a, there's plenty of technology. Um, all of that technology is mature, if not maturing to that point, I say, go for it. Well, no, and, and Joel, I think that you're 100% correct in the fact of, I, I think we'll see more of a perforation in AR <clears throat> above and beyond VR when you look at mass adoption, just because I, I see more application for the in the AR space uh, versus the VR. I think VR is, well, and just from, from my perception, and I'd be curious to get yours, is, is that you know, VR, it's cool, you know, playing with the Oculus, it was cool. Um, it was a novelty item for me. <laughs> It's not something that I could see myself being in on a regular basis, but when you talk about you know the AR implications of being able to assist the blind in navigating uh, across streets and navigating around town, I, I see real world application there. I struggle to see real world application in the VR space. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of right there with you. You know, I mean, I've I've always sort of believed that AR is going to be the, um, and, and it's. I actually wrote a blog post once about it where they're not even because a couple of years ago, people thought they were competing, right? Like AR and VR were competing technologies. And so I, I sort of wrote a blog post and was like, no, they're not. And they're completely different. You know, um, yeah, you wear, you could wear them both on your head, et cetera, but they are different. And, and I, I do agree with you, I think, but I, but I don't want to downplay VR, right? Like, I mean, there's a, there is actually a really good set of use cases. And right now, it's where a lot of the companies are starting. It's training, right? So how do you get into, um, how do you create in a repetitive environment, right? Because, you know, reps and sets, right? Like, how do you get in there and just, and sort of do it, right? So as a helicopter guy, we had flight simulators, right? So I'm, the aviation community has been using simulators for decades, mm -hmm. right? So we're very familiar with that model where I could go in and, and the airline industry has actually replaced you know, actual flight time with simulator time, right? So you could get some of your hours in a simulator and it counts, right? Um, so you're going to continue to see that and the Air Force is adopting that. They've taken, you know, flight students and they've taken them out of the big simulators and put them in VR headsets, right? Um, Walmart was training their employees, uh, I think, starting last year or the year before, 
Um, and and it's it's perfect for that environment because I can control the environment, right? So I can create that sort of scenario. I can put you in it, and then I can rewind you, or I can make you run that over again, right? And and so, you know, um, the the uh, Jeremy Balancing, who I'd mentioned earlier out in Stanford, you know, he he had and a couple of folks started a company, um, Striver, I think is the name of it. And they started out training the quarterback at Stanford, right? Like that was their, that's what they did because they could put the quarterback in VR and run a series of plays. And I mean, I don't have to wait for the offensive line to come back, (laughs) right? To run another play. I just, I hit the reset button, right? And so I can get more reps and sats in in there. So so I certainly don't want to downplay VR. I think it's going to have a huge role. Um, I think AR is because we're just, we're social, right? Like, and, and, you know, I think when one of the things this pandemic has shown us is that, yeah, I can do zoom calls and I can do these things and, but it's not social, right? Like you just, you want that human interaction. You want that. Um, and I think that's what AR offers. It allows you to still experience that sort of digital augmentation, you know, without occluding my view of the sort of physical world. Right. I think what's going to really blow um, everything out is, is mixed reality. Right. And so, um, you know, Vario, uh, is a great company. They've got probably the top of the line headset out there right now. I was in Orlando, um, in late December for a conference called Itzik, um, and stopped by the Vario booth. They put me in a flight simulator of a F-18 and wearing their headset, which was looked like a VR headset, but it's got high definition cameras on the front. And as soon as I put my hands out, I could see my hands in this virtual environment, right? That's and cool. so w- when I grab the physical stick and the physical hotas that's in there and I'm moving it, I can see my hands move. If I go to flip a switch, I can see my hand up there. It, so that's going to, that's the, you know, when you can start to actually interact with the digital objects, that I think is going to be even bigger. That's cool. <clears throat> So the one thing that I heard, and and not to cut you off, John. So the one thing I heard in that, Joel, was that one day I might be able to get my pilot's license by sitting at home and just running through <laughs> VR. Is that, is, that, is, that, yeah. is that right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, so John, how, did you, I mean, you've got yeah. Microsoft Flight Simulator, right? Yeah. Do you have a VR headset? I do not have the VR I do not have a VR. I, I need to get the, the VR headset. Hey, man, we've talked about this in the past. I'm ready for the Ready Player One environment where I don't have to go anywhere for anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just get yourself a treadmill at the house so you at least get some exercise exactly. right like, exactly yeah no but uh, you know it's like you said it, it, you know talking about those environments talk about fun but I, I i do see the an application is also those those big safety environments i want to say i've seen a demo years ago where it was like steam steam fitters you know it's like here's how here's the big layout of this industrial environment and here's how you go in there and repair this and you can go walk through it before you actually have yeah. to go see the same thing because the environment itself is dangerous, uh, you know, and, and, and that type of thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. There, there are certainly some, some occupations that, you know, OJT is, <laughs> is <laughs> probably not the right way. Right. And so I agree with you there. And then I'll, you know, take that a step further. And once you've trained, then bring AR into that environment, right. So that you can have sort of that virtual coach behind you, right? Like, and, you know, or I can see step-by-step instructions through the AR headset on how to 
you know, close the valve. How do I unfasten it? Right. Like, don't do this, do this. And all that can be, you know, in AR and it's, it's, it's a job aid. Right. And that's another, you know, great use of, of AR technologies and it's in use now. Right. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, um, you know, Google and some of these other AR companies are, are doing because those glasses have cameras on them too. Right. So that, so more senior technicians can be, you know, back at the office, potentially helping four or five junior people all at the same time, right? Because they're all in different stages of some sort of repair. And he just has to jump on, see what they're seeing, send them instructions or talk to them directly. And now you've just sort of, you know, you've taken, you know, your one senior guy can now actually work five jobs at at the same time, right? Um, And just be more efficient and and more sort of cost effective. Well, as we're we're about to wrap up, uh, one final question is uh, for me is, what what advice would you have for an organization that's looking to bring some of this in to protect themselves and not increase their threat landscape? Is they're looking to bring in, you know, at the early state, you know, this early stage, what to protect their environments, protect the data, protect all that stuff to make sure that they've got a good practical application for that. Yeah, that's a good question. I think you know, again, it's it's sort of just take a look at what it is you want to do with it, right? So what what kind of, you know, is it remote help? Is it, um, you know, navigation for your truck drivers or, you know, whatever that is? And then walk through with your technical folks what data you could potentially be collecting, right? And and and, um, and then figure out what you're going to do with it and, and, and protect it, right? Like, so you can, you know, call folks like me, XRSI does a good job of, of that as well. And, and, you know, there are, there are folks out there that are looking at it, right. And can help you. So um, understanding the data, what you're going to do with it, how you're going to store it and really, you know, understanding that, you know, again, don't collect everything just because you can. Um, and, you know, and I'll tell you, this applies even to the military because I was having a conversation with a retired three-star and she was of the same mind where, you know, that, that program IVAS that's coming out based off the Microsoft HoloLens too for the army, it's a heads up display. And that's where that conversation was. Oh, well, we're going to collect everything. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, hold on. Right. Like just because I'm in the military doesn't mean I signed away my rights and my privacy. Right. Like, and so, I mean, if you think about it, you know, I, when I first came in, one, we were even pre-CAC, but your social security number was on your ID. Yeah. You wanted to cash, you know, you wanted to cash a check, put right your there. social security number, right? And it took forever to get that stupid thing off the IDs, <laughs> right? And at least now there's like a, a DOD ID number, right? But But understanding that your employees may view their privacy differently than you. Right. Like uh, and, and, you know, just kind of work with all the different stakeholders to understand privacy concerns, security concerns, how that all works. Find that right mix. You know, AJ, you brought it up earlier. If you assume the risk, that's one thing. Right. But at least know it. Right. Like exactly. if you're going in blind, yeah, I, you know, there's Same only so much you. I can help you if you're going in blind. Yeah. Right. So I tell yeah. business leaders that all the time. You, you, it, Cybersecurity, you know, I hear the argument, well, we're too small to be a target. Well, that's true. You're probably not being targeted, but just because you're not targeted doesn't mean you can't be a victim. And so don't assume the risk. Uh, And just because you don't know it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right. Well, John, I think we're ready for your rapid fire questions, sir. I am going to skip the rapid fire questions because the more (laughs) I read them out loud in my head, the dumber they sounded. 
Um, <laughs> all right, let's do it. That's all you got to go, okay. right. go, go with all it right, now. Come on. You can't tease hey, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all on board now. Oh, yeah. Well, the first one, all right, rapid fire. Uh, technophobe or techno? 12. Are you a technophobe or a techno wizard? Oh, God, techno wizard. <laughs> Cybersecurity. Are you, are you more likely to click the link or not click the link? Oh, I'll totally click the link. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Do not follow my example. <laughs> All right. Do you are you, do you function totally ordered, or you just fly by the seat of your pants? Oh man, how about right in the middle? Yeah, it's got to be a mix of both. <laughs> it uh, yeah, it depends. How's that? Yeah. And are you are you risk adverse or bring it on? Oh, bring it on. 100%. <laughs> And that is my goofy ass lightning round questions. Okay, yeah, I like those it. were pretty. I those like were it. pretty bad, but it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> they, it was, you know, when you write something down, and this will be edited out, of course. Of course. Uh, but you know, when you write no, something yeah. down, I, AJ and I have been talking about this. I've said it multiple times. You write something down. It sounds good in your head. It sounds good in your head. You've read it like. 50 times is good. And then the first time you speak it, you're going, what was I thinking? <laughs> it's, it's like, that was dumb as hell. Yep. And that was when it, it's all good. that was the part of going, that was too cute by half and stupid as hell. <laughs> all right. That's awesome. So, okay. But I do need to hang on. Take a, take a second. Cause I do got to put the real ending on. I need to pause. <laughs> Serious face. Serious face. Hey, Joel, thanks for thanks for coming on today. If people want to reach out and learn more about what you're doing with all of your different activities or, or XRSI, Cyberbytes Foundation, what's good contact info for them to, to reach out? Well, um, LinkedIn is probably the best because I'd otherwise have to give you three different email addresses. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's uh, Joel, J-O-E-L, last name is Charlotte, S-C-H-A-R-L-A-T. I'm on LinkedIn. Um I look just like this on LinkedIn, so um, shouldn't be hard to find, but that's probably the best way. Got it. And we'll make sure to include in the show notes uh, the link to Joel's profile so anybody else can uh, uh, connect with him as they as they would like to. And I encourage it. Joel's a good guy. Uh, AJ, any, any final thoughts as we wrap up? No, thanks, Joel, for, for coming on. Uh, this has been a lot of fun and very insightful. As somebody who doesn't live much or do much in the AR, VR space, it's always cool to hear from those that are knee-deep in it. Uh, it's very insightful, so I appreciate it. Yeah, well, no, my pleasure. I appreciate the invitation and uh, had a lot of fun. That's the At goal. John's expense. Yeah. At John's expense. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>